Welcome to the Tiffany Micah podcast. What we do here is build the strength and courage in you to accomplish your big dreams and goals in your sport. No longer will you feel limited. You won't feel you're not good enough. You won't question whether you will make it. Those doubts will disappear because you will have the competitive edge over your opponents and leave them in your wake. And the bonus is others will notice. Listen up and take notes because I will show you exactly how to do it. Hey there, Tiff here, and welcome to the Tiffany Micah podcast. So happy that you're back. Welcome back. And if you're new, welcome. Hope you enjoy the journey. Uh, the exciting thing we are starting to experience is that restrictions starting to be lifted. Yay! Okay, that's that's exciting. In some form, they're starting to lift for, for all of us around the world. And we are slowly finding that some form of whatever it is is becoming our new normal for the time being. And it's been a really emotional roller coaster, hasn't it, for all of us? Because all of our lives have been affected in different ways. So like with our sport, we're still not playing sport yet, unless you play golf. Golf's a sport that you've, that we've been playing here that you've probably heard me talk about quite a bit because it allows social distancing. School life has changed. So all of you have been learning, um, doing online schooling, which is, has been, again, another game changer for you. For uh, those that are in the workforce, work life has changed. You know, many people have actually lost their job and so on. And we are all reacting in different ways to what gets thrown at us. So what I've seen as a COVID-19 as an opportunity for change and I'm, you know, I'm excited that it is an opportunity for change because we've seen a lot of changes, obviously in a negative sense, but we've seen a lot of changes in a positive sense, I believe. I'm, But before I continue on that, I'm really sorry to those people that have lost their lives due to this pandemic. Sorry, I'm a bit tongue twisted. And it shouldn't have happened. We know that, that it shouldn't have happened because of the cover-up and so on, but I'm not going to get political here because this is not what I want to talk about today. But it has been an opportunity, I feel, for what's happened. And I'll tell you what I mean by an opportunity that I, I can actually see of what's actually happened. So what have we what have we learned here? So we've, we've learned to be creative, haven't we? We've been learned to be creative with our training. We've learned to be creative with our practice. We've learned by uh, being creative, we've had to learn new ways of training our sport. We've had to develop new ways of training in practice. And, you know, I know with the gym being closed, it's, I was not a big fan of that. But with the gym being closed, uh you know, I wouldn't be over at the Oval doing footwork drills with a soccer ball and I wouldn't be doing sprints like I'm doing and, you know, leading up to, into some long-distance running, which I'm really excited about. But I wouldn't be doing any of that if the gym wasn't closed. So that's that's a positive thing. You've got to be thinking about, well, what are the things that I've been 
uh, doing that's been more creative that I've had an opportunity to try some new things out because it's taken you out of your normal hasn't it and it's forced you to feel uncomfortable and when that happens because we do we're all we've all felt uncomfortable we've had that uncertainty and so on but where the magic happens I always say this where the magic happens for you is when you're feeling uncomfortable when you're feeling awkward because that's the importance for growth and guess what else you're doing it's forcing you to learn new skills so you've because you've been creative with your training and practice you're learning some new skills aren't you you've tried to figure out ways how you can have a home gym in place that you probably wouldn't have done before you've come up with different types of drills that most likely that you could do that you probably wouldn't have done before you would have just stayed in the norm so this has been this has been a good thing for growth and a few years ago I was at a conference in San Diego it was quite some time now ago it was probably about 10 years ago actually and I was listening to this economist and he was talking about how higher unemployment was good he was like, "Well, that doesn't that doesn't make make sense. Why would high unemployment uh, be a good thing?" Well, and, and the reason for that is is because what it does is it forces people to upskill. It forces people to make themselves better. So, how does that apply to you? Well, wherever your journey is, or wherever you've ended up with regards to your sport right now. What's it forcing you to do? It's forcing you to be creative, isn't it? It's forcing you to train in different ways. It's forcing you to create new skills. It's forcing you to upskill, isn't it? It's forcing you to make yourself better. How could that be a negative? It's not. And this is how I see what the coronavirus has done. It teaches you to upskill and improve yourself. Not a bad thing, is it? I think that's pretty awesome. If we take all the negatives out, this is the positive thing that's come out of it. Even something as simple, like I said, for me to go to the Oval and rebuild my running, which I wouldn't have done if I was going to the gym, I see that as a blessing. I'm like really excited that that's happened. Because I would never have gone to that oval and done that. So that that's that's great. It's great. But you're like, okay, Tiff, well, how does this got to do with emotions? Aren't we talking about emotions today? <laughs> yeah. It has everything to do with it. Because how you feel is the result of how you think and what your beliefs are. And how you respond to a crisis is how and what you will think of in a crisis. So some people think of a crisis as absolutely devastating. And you can understand that because there's a lot of negativity, there's a lot of talk around the world of how many deaths there have been, uh, you know, how bad the economy is, you know, how are people going to rebuild, you know, uh, I could say lots of other things, (laughs) but I'll let it go. But what happens when when some people go into that crisis mode they go into that mode of like a victim poor me 
They make excuses. And every time a crisis is actually thrown at their, their way, it could be a roadblock as well, it could be an obstacle. That's where they go. They go into that victim mode, that poor little me mode, that excuses mode. I don't believe that's you. You're an athlete. Athletes don't do that. Do we? No way. Not while you're listening to me, you don't. And my um, ex-boyfriend from years ago, prior to meeting my lovely husband, um, his son, I remember his son years ago used to say say this, and he said, why does all the bad stuff always happen to me? Because he had a lot of, you know, uh, he made a lot of poor choices in life. And that, that was because he believed that always the bad things happened to him. So therefore, that's what he attracted. So that's what happens. If you believe that bad and negative things are going to happen to you, well, guess what? Because you're putting that out in the world, the universe, I would say the universe is listening to you. It's going to come back and it's going to give you what you're putting out there. So you've got to be careful about what you think. So then when we look at other people who rise above the crisis, they go into the mode of, okay, all right, let's go. Let's work through this. What is thrown at them, they see it it's just inconvenient. All right, I saw the coronavirus is inconvenient. Okay, all right, nothing I can do about it. Everything started to change. Nothing I can do about it. But I can keep going. I can keep moving forward. I can keep working on specific things. I can knuckle down and get on with it. Right? That's what athletes do. They knuckle down. They get on with it. That's what champions do. So we want to just see this as an inconvenience because what those people who rise above a crisis... They work on solutions. How do you solve the problem? And that's what I've always talked about through this series. How do you solve the problem, right? How do you work through something that's thrown at you? So those people that rise above the the crisis are problem fixers or solution makers. I like to call them solution makers rather than problem fixers. Solution makers has better language to it, I believe. So let's talk about your sport and how you're coping with that. So do you go into that victim mode? Poor me, make excuses, become a victim. It's not your fault. Somebody else's fault. How could this happen to me? Or do you become a solution maker? And as an athlete, this is where we want our direction to go. We want to be a solution maker. We don't want to be a victim. We don't want to be in that excuses mode. And you've probably heard me talk many times about when I was pursuing my tennis career. I was in excuses mode. I used to I used to justify that if I didn't try my hardest and I still lost, well, then I didn't give it my all and I didn't really lose anyway. It was a way in which I could deal with the devastation. I didn't try my hardest. And I lost. Well, that's okay. I lost because I didn't try my hardest. Because I was frightened of trying my hardest and losing. 
That was the fear. So when I did lose, I could make that excuse to myself. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. I didn't really try that hard anyway. And then when I started pursuing my golf career, I I didn't want my tennis demons to haunt me. This is why, as you know, why I share uh, these episodes, why I started this podcast show. Because I didn't want my tennis demons to haunt me and I don't want your sports demons to haunt you. And I can tell you, my tennis demons haunted me big time. So I had to shift my my thought process into a solution maker. So I'd really like to know, which one are you? Are you a... You know, someone who sits in excuses when you throw a roadblock, when you throw in a crisis, or are you someone that that is a solution maker? I'd love to know that. So when you get an opportunity, hit 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 your email, send me an email, and say, Tiff, I'm a solution maker, okay? And tell me why you are. If you're in the excuses mode, yep, write to me as well. Tell me why you're in excuses mode. So I went from going into uh, excuses mode from from my tennis career, like tennis demons, into a solution maker. And by doing that, it, I, I will tell you, it wasn't a flick of a switch. So one day I was like, okay, well, that's it. I'm no longer in excuses mode. And now I'm a solution maker. It was a development process, just like your skills. Your technical skills, it's a development, right? It's a process. Just like your training, it's a process. You've got to keep going, keep working on it, keep refining it. Just like your mental skills, like what we talk about throughout these episodes. You've got to keep working on it. You've got to keep developing it. It's a process. So rather than go into a panic mode or crisis mode, when I went from, from the tennis demons that were haunting me, from when I, when I started to play golf, I had to train myself to do a few things. And these were the things that I had to start doing, which I'm going to share with you. And then we'll talk about you very soon. So the first one, there's three. Okay. The first one was to give myself positive phrases to say. I had to put positive messages in my head on a daily basis. Because what was happening was that I was going back into that old pattern of what I used to do before, which was in my tennis career. You're useless, Tiff. You're having yourself on. You're, you know, you're never going to make it. Nothing's ever going to happen. You know, everyone's right what they're saying about you, right? I had to change that thought process because that was exactly the same thought process that I had when I was competing in tennis. I was like, I am not going down that same path again. I am not going to make those same mistakes. So the first one was those positive, positive messages through phrases and words. The second one was that when I was faced with a, like a panic in the sense of I was not p- performing well, and I was actually losing it on the golf course. Like I was having a complete and utter meltdown. I was freaking out. Um, I was very emotional. I'd cry. 
you know, here I am 30-something years of age playing golf and i got tears streaming down my face. I was freaking out about the score. And a lot of that was because I was worried about what my boyfriend thought of me at the time. He was not a good person to have in my life, which if you've heard my story from a previous episode a little while ago, I was talking about people that I attracted because of my thought process. He was one of them. He was one. He was the worst one. The worst one. He was terrible, terrible person, right? Very mean. But I, I, I was always freaking out and, and I would have to show myself that I could slow myself down completely, both physically and both mentally, mentally, because I would tense up. I'd get so tense because I was highly emotional. I was freaking out about the score because I wanted to keep getting my handicap down because the results were happening because I was practicing so hard, right? Because your practice and your training is going to get to you to a certain point and then you're going to hit a barrier and that barrier is going to be the mental and you've got to work on the mental and I believe you've got to work on the mental from the very beginning. I wasn't savvy enough to work that out but I did discover that, right? Reasonably early in, in my golf, reasonably early, not super early but reasonably early. But the other thing was what I was so frightened of my boyfriend because he was setting specific targets for me to reach. And and if I didn't reach them, he wouldn't talk to me for the rest of the day. That's how bad it was. And that was a mental place that I was in at that time. I look back now and go, I don't even know how I put up with all that. Right. But that was where I was at at that time. I was still working on improving me. It was still very early days. But I had to slow myself down completely. I had to slow myself down physically the way I walked. I had to slow and release the tension. And then I had to also slow myself down mentally and, and go back into, okay, what are those positive messages that I was saying to myself to, to settle myself down? And the third thing that I did was that I took it at one shot at a time. And I, I am a, a big advocate of this. Everything that we do is one step at a time or one shot at a time, one moment at a time. And what I realized was that I could, all I could do was I could do the best that I could do in that moment, right? In that moment of time, that was the best I could do. If that's the best I can do in that moment, that's okay. Let's see if I can do the best in that next moment. I wouldn't give myself a hard time about it if I stuffed up. I wouldn't be negative about it if I stuffed up. I started to change that process. What I would teach myself was, okay, all right, let's give the best that I can of me in the next shot. I'd move on to the next shot. Okay, let's try again. So at times, there were technical errors coming through because I was still in that uh, phase of, of building my skills. So that was going to happen because that was where, was where I was at. If you've ever played golf or had a go, it's actually not as easy as it looks. Once you get the technique in place, it's much easier. But there was also still random thoughts popping into my head. And you probably find that when you're out training, you, sometimes you're like, or and competing, you're like, well, where'd that thought come from? 
but I wouldn't let myself go down that path of all these allowing all these random thoughts keep popping into my head because it was becoming destructive so that's why I had to keep going back to one shot at a time do the best that I can in the moment slow down and breathe positive phrases positive words and most of this realization I was a little bit aware of it because I I had my tennis demon so I was very aware that I didn't want that to come back but when I had this ultimate realization that came about when I got to a 10 handicap actually I was about two years into learning to play golf and I will say that even what I've shared those three points the positive messaging um, the slowing down and breathing taking my time and then taking it one shot at a time it was still a work in progress right when we make changes sometimes the changes come from something significant that happens and this is what happened when I got to a 10 handicap there was an incident that happened it was very significant that changed my mental approach forever from that day forward and I know you're like oh what happened yes I'm gonna tell you so don't worry So I was playing golf, I was 35 I guess then, and I was playing golf with a 17 year old who was playing off around about a two handicap I think, she'd been playing for a number of years, way ahead of me skill development wise, and she was playing with her mum, so there was the three of us, and she was, her mum was a typical sports parent, like a pushy sports parent, I shouldn't say typical, a a typical pushy sports parent that I I couldn't stand those types of parents when I was growing up playing tennis because what I would experience would be because I was always doing quite well especially in the early days of my of uh, you know junior tennis the parents would come up to me and they'd be psyching me out you know when I was 12 13 14 years of age that's poor form from a parent isn't it that's disgraceful behavior. So I always felt intimidated because of that because I was, you know, young, didn't know anything. Oh, well, they know better. I'd listen to them, right? I would take that on board. And I, I went back into that mode, like this pushy parent. She was carrying on so much about a daughter and this, that, and the other, and, and it was getting into my head so I felt really intimidated from the beginning and here I am 35 year old woman right feeling intimidated by this pushy parent and a 17 year old the 17 year old was you know would make snide comments as well so I, I was allowing all that to affect me but I attracted that right because of where my thought processes were still were plus I had that boyfriend you know, that put a lot of pressure on me as well. And, you know, I, I did feel intimidated because here, here are these, you know, golfers who've got better skills than me. I've only been playing for two years. Got down to a 10 handicap in that space of time, but I found that I very much felt like I was a fake, you know, a tennis player trying to be a golfer. That's what I felt like I was at that point. 
I felt like that for quite a bit of, bit of time before I then felt like I became a golfer. But I, that's how I felt. I felt like I was a tennis player trying to become a golfer. So I was still feeling uncomfortable at, at that point because my skills were still not great. You know, they weren't as consistent. But on the scorecard, I was showing up great results, right? But I didn't feel comfortable. So I was still working on my confidence, like I said, everything's a work in progress. And, you know, the boyfriend that I had at the time, he'd pick a lot on me. I could never do anything right. Nothing was ever good enough. He always wanted so much more from me out of everything. And I was always mentally and emotionally drained from him constantly. So I had all of that as well that I allowed to come in because I still wasn't mentally I still wasn't mentally there yet, mentally tough, right? And not allow those distractions to to affect me. I still wasn't there yet. And people used to say, like, well, why are you with him? I was like, well, you know, there is a nice side to him. I just wouldn't, wouldn't see it very often. But when your confidence is low, when your self-esteem is low, you allow people to treat you poorly because you don't think much of yourself anyway. And that was where I was still at. I was still in that limbo land. I was aware that I had to make changes, but you know he was still a huge impact and would still affect me in, in you know many ways. So, okay, that's not the significant thing, right? So I stepped in and then I played golf with this this 17-year-old girl, her mother, and me. There was just the three of us. And like I said, even before I started, I felt overwhelmed. I felt intimidated that I couldn't hit a decent shot. And, you know, from memory, I played every single full swing shot along the ground. We call them worm burners. You know, they burn along the grass. So that that was even the drivers, you know, straight along the ground. And I felt like I probably shot like a century off the stick that day, you know, a hundred off the stick. Can't actually remember what the score was. That 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 I can't tell you, but I haven't got a clue. But you know, as you know, a century is great for cricket. It's not so good for golf, right? But I was having a complete and utter meltdown, like a mental meltdown. And when significant things happen in your life, you remember them quite clearly because it was how you were made to feel. It was how you were made to feel by others. It was how you made you were made to feel by what you felt yourself. So in, in, in this instance, it was how I made myself feel, not the others. Looking back, looking at the others, it wasn't really about them. It was the distraction and the annoyance right, and the frustration of the language, the, you know, the, the not so nice comments, but I attracted that to myself, but it was how I made myself feel, I felt like I was a beginner out on the golf course for the first time, now I was playing off a 10 handicap already, which means it's only like 10 shots over par, so if there's a par 70 uh, golf course, I was, I, technically I should only be playing about 80 shots off the off the stick, right? And here I'm saying that I probably shot 100. But I had so much negative talk going on that day. This is what I was going through, complete meltdown. 
Oh, here, Tiff, you know, you're a tryhard. You're not good enough. You're wasting your time. You know, you're a tennis player, not a golfer. What are you trying to be a golfer for? Everyone's right. They're saying, you know, stuff behind your back that you're never going to get anywhere with your golf. So, yeah, you know, they're probably right. You're a loser. What an embarrassment. And those thoughts were then reflecting my results. Weren't they? Because I had a massive score. Not so good in golf. And I had a pure and utter mental, you know, like a mental meltdown. Even the, the skills didn't perform. And mentally I was just a wreck. And I came off that day... And this is like once I settled down and I said to myself, I am never, ever going to feel like that ever again, ever. And this is why I was working on what I was doing with these messages and these three points. I was really doubling down on, okay, let's go positive phrases. All right, let's slow down. Let's get physically and mentally in place. Breathe slow. Swing slow. Just take it one one shot at a time. Just do the best that you can do. Because in that particular match, I was all over the place. Constant negativity I was throwing at myself. And that happens, right? That that came back from, from when I was a junior competing in tennis and then pursuing a tennis career. All that negativity. So if that's going on with you, we need to change that. So this is why it's going to help you. What I share with you, it's going to help you because I've been there too. I know what it's like. So when you are feeling like your blood is about to boil, right, with frustration... You feel like you're about to scream. You want to throw your sports equipment. You want to kick something. You want to punch something. I used to get so worked up. I'd want to punch people in the head. But we need to change that pattern because that is not serving you. That will not give you the results. It won't. And And I know that it's hard when you're in the heat of the battle. When I used to play hockey, I played hockey right through high school, played for the school team, you know, and played afternoon, Saturday afternoon hockey sport and stuff like that, you know, while I was playing tennis as well. There'd be heaps of people that I'd want to punch out because I'd get so worked up. But we can't do that. We can't feel that way because what happens? Our focus becomes on them, not on what we've got to do. So that's what we need to work on with you because if you're losing it emotionally and you're having a meltdown, that's not going to help you. It makes you worse. And I understand it because I've been there many times. That one in the golf one was significant because that changed everything from that point. I never, ever wanted to go through a meltdown like that ever again in anything that I did, anything. So this is what I want you to work on. Number one, I want you to come up with positive phrases. What would be the positive phrases that you could use 
to be filling your mind when you are competing. This is when you're competing. You could have one, two or three. I, I wouldn't put too many in your head. But something that you can go back to that's a positive phrase that you can utilize when you're in competition mode. You can say whatever you like outside of that. Like You can have lots of other positive phrases that you can use. But when you're in competing, you need something that's going to keep you on track. Keep you calm. Keep you steady. Okay, Keep you focused on what you got to do. Number two, you want to stop where you can. Stop and breathe slow. It depends on your sport though, but you need to find some way in which you can stop and, and slow your breathing down. Because if you can slow yourself down, you can regather your thoughts. And when you regather your thoughts, you can go back into those positive phrases because they both complement each other. And number three, focus on staying in the moment. Just do the best that you can do each time you play your shot or throw a punch or you swim a stroke or you take a kick or you run a stride, whatever your sport is, focus on staying in the moment. Keep working on doing the best that you can do in that moment because that's all you can do. That's all you can do. Just do the best that you can do in that moment. So quickly, number one, positive phrases. Number two, stop and breathe slow. Number three, focus on staying in the moment. And I want you to get back to me and share with me what you have come up with. So important. So do that, okay? So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Love it if you could share with me what you like best about what you heard today. If you've got friends that you know that would benefit from these episodes, share them with your friends because we want to build this successful athlete community as big as we possibly can. And I want you to dream big, believe in you, get after your dreams. Take care, talk soon. Before you go, do you have a free copy of my book, Focus?, how to reach potential in sport, business, and life. To get your free copy, go to tiffanymica.com forward slash free book. Look forward to seeing you there. Dream big, believe in you, go after your dreams. <laughs>